how do you advocate people finding out what they enjoy? Mm. Well, I used to talk to children, like 11, 12, 13 year olds about masturbation. Right. And that, you know, it's okay to do this. This is perfectly natural. Time and place, of course. <laughs> uh, but this is about learning about your body. This is about you having pleasure in your own body. And that's perfectly okay. And it's actually very, very healthy. And that's kind of a first message and that you you have permission to find pleasure in your own body, whether that's sexual pleasure through masturbation or whether that's pleasure of putting lotion on your skin, you know, touching your skin in a soft, caressing way. Because if you don't know what you like, you're not going to be able to tell anybody else. Mm. And I know for me, um, many, many years ago, I decided to do belly dancing mm. I had a lot of body image issues and I went along to that first class and I saw these women of all various shapes sizes and ages bearing these great big beautiful bellies and I must say I was extremely underweight and I thought I was huge and I went you know what if they can do it so can I nice. and just the confidence these women had mm. was amazing and it was all about them and them learning how their body moved mm -hmm. and what their body could do. And it was liberating. Yeah. 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 I can, I'm, that's, that's, you know, burlesque was a, was a whole process for me mm. Um, mm. because you know, I have children. I've, I, I, so I've obviously been sexually active, but then something like body tracing blew my mind. Mm -hmm. I just didn't it understand on my arm. Yeah, and, and to be able to do something like that with someone else, you put yourself in a very vulnerable position. Yeah. And that can be a bit scary. Yeah. So doing it with yourself first and working out how your body responds to different types of touch. And I do a lot this a lot with couples who come to me with either issues around performance or um, anxiety. And it's like, let's take the pressure off and let's find out what touch brings pleasure. And I have a little sheet and on down one side, it has all these different body parts and across the top, it has all these different ways you can touch. So you might want to try what little tiny pinches feel like all over the body, or you might want to focus on the back and try gentle strokes and bites and slaps. And so, you know, you can do it whatever way you want to do it, but it's about each person exploring their bodies and you could do it on your own. You can do it with a partner and working out what kind of touch feels nice where. Which ones give you the tingles and the goosebumps? Um, people may have erogenous zones in places they never, ever expected. Mm -hmm. And it's a really, really useful activity for people to do. And I also talk to them about being very much in the moment. Sensuality is about engaging your senses. So if you have a bath, don't just jump in, get washed, get out. Make it an experience. Put on some scented candles, put some oils in the bath or bubble bath, put on some beautiful music, have something nice to eat or drink and just make it an experience and engage all of your senses in that moment. And something quite mundane can be something quite beautiful. Do it when you're eating. You know, what does this food taste like? What does it smell like? What is the sound it makes in my mouth? And that's that being you know, we heard mindfulness all the time, but it's really just let's be in the moment and use all of our senses. When you practice that just in those everyday things, it starts to permeate your world. 
and you actually move through the world in a much more sensuous way. And that then, then goes on to feed your sexuality and your sexual encounters with yourself and with others are much more sensuous as well. Yeah, because our brain is our is a sex organ. Like It's the biggest sex organ, you know, and it can be, our brain can be our biggest asset when it comes to sex. <laughs> it can also cause a few issues. I, so many people go, I cannot get out of my brain. Mm-hmm. But being able to focus the brain onto on sensations helps people get back into their body and they're not thinking about you know that that bill I've got to pay or that you know that projects that due tomorrow or you know whatever the things are that their head's taking them away from the moment Mm. so it is really important to sort of engage those thoughts in the sensuality of the moment so that you are engaging your mind and your body together it's interesting that you you talk about uh, the the kind of the pleasure principle in lots of ways in in this way that has to be expanded upon. Um, do you find that you have to to really with your with the people you're working with? Do you really have to expand their definition of of what that means? Because um, I think with burlesque certainly like when I first started in burlesque and when I first got welcomed into that, one of the things that I saw was that it immediately was about readdressing who exactly is getting pleasure from these experiences. And often, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's the dancer, the artist is the one who's taking that control back. Do you find that you have to kind of really open and work with people's definitions of pleasure? Oh, definitely. Because sometimes when, if you ask people, what does pleasure mean to you? Mm-hmm. Uh, that can be deafening silence. They've never thought about it. Yeah. And so just even to work out, well, what, what does bring me pleasure can be a really difficult question for people to answer. Yeah. So I like to give them the time to go away and think about that. Mm. And there, and pleasure comes in many forms. There's mm. emotional pleasure, there's physical pleasure. There's, you know, we, we get gain pleasure in lots of different ways, you know, so physically, spiritually, socially, you know, hanging out with friends. So what are those things that bring, bring pleasure? Because I think quite often people only go, Oh, well, pleasure is it just sexual pleasure? But mm. uh, there's more, there's more to, to it than that. So you kind of come from that really broad idea of pleasure mm. being lots of different things. Yeah. And then you can kind of narrow it down to then what does sexual pleasure mean as yeah. in for that particular individual. That's a really good way of doing it because for a lot of people starting off with sexual pleasure and what feels good is a big leap. Mm. And so just expressing pleasure yeah. is a good place to start. Mm. yeah i do the same thing with sex i said what is sex yeah oh it's and i get either well you know doing it (laughs) or i'm like or i I get oh you know males females okay but but sex is lots of things sex is not just as we said before you know penis in vagina or penetration there are so many things that are sex and there are so many reasons why people have sex that are beyond orgasm and just the physical so it's you know there's a lot for people to kind of process and self-reflect on as they go on the journey yeah yeah so i i I like what you're saying i think i think redefining our pleasure as well because that can change from one day to the next that certainly Mm -hmm. can change in different stages of life certainly definitely my experience just just Mm. how, how you know just just checking back in with it okay I don't want to cheapen this but it's almost like you really enjoy a food and then after a while you don't enjoy it anymore because you enjoy <laughs> something else 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of an analogy where, you know, we, we just go, it's the same with clothes. You know, we would be really into some sort of fashion or some sort of music. And then all of a sudden we're sick of it and mm -hmm. we need to find something else. And I, it's know, about mixing it up, isn't it? It's yeah. about, you know, if penis in vagina is all the, you ever do and you only ever do the one position, you're going to get bored. Yeah. I see a lot of couples that are bored. They're in a rut. How do they get out of that? Yeah, and, and when they're in a rut, then someone often loses desire. So why they come to me is because there's a desire discrepancy mm. or neither they, they can't remember the last time they had sex. Mm. And part of them wants to, but they don't know what got in the way. And mm. sometimes it is about just being in a rut mm. and, you know, mix it up a bit, try some different things, um, you know, have sex in different places, mm. try some different activities maybe do some role play, you know, a whole range of things that people can try. And they might go, you know what, that was horrible. <laughs> I never want to do that again. Or they might go, ah, that was, mm, I might have to do it another time just to be sure. Or they, they take to it like a duck to water. Yeah. And that, even then that doesn't mean they're going to want to do that every time. I mean, yeah. no, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, eating the same flavor of ice cream all the time will get boring eventually. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's interesting during lockdown, um, there was a lot of conversation and it, and it made, you know, uh, world press uh, in Canada. One of the, um, the health ministers was talking about using glory holes during sex so that there mm -hmm. was no um, so that there, there wasn't kissing. Um, if, if you wanted to have if you wanted to be out having sex, just just consider things that would make uh, it safer COVID wise. Um, yeah. And that prompted a nationwide discussion about about pleasure and about mixing it up and about using, you know, potentially kitchen utensils or different fabrics or different, you know, and it was it was fabulous. But what was shocking to me wasn't that they were talking about this in Canada and they were talking about, you know, you know, that 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 husbands, you you know, you, you, you no wonder women don't want to have sex or your wife doesn't want to have sex with you because it's, you, you're doing the same routine every time. And it, that, none of that, you know, and, and, and they talked a lot about not slut shaming for women to enjoy mm -hmm. pleasure. And I, and I thought, okay, well, this makes sense to me. And this makes sense to me that Can I'm Canadian. I, it makes sense to me. This is a conversation that, that sh you know, they would be having. What was shocking to me was the rest of the world, how they were like, can you believe they're talking about this? You can't say, you can't say glory holes in the UK. The queen <laughs> will die. <laughs> I was just going to ask you that, Ryan. I would imagine that would be a, a very different response in the UK. Oh my God. I mean, I worked in... <laughs> well, I mean, I worked in adult retail for just over four years, managing about four or five stores for a particular company, um, which was a great experience. Um, and working in a brick and mortar store, an actual physical store, meant that I was working with people often coming into a shop of that in nature for the first time. Mm -hmm. And what was part, one was the thing, one of the things that made us quite unique was the fact that before we were allowed to go on the shop floor alone, we had a month's worth of training about how to talk to people about sex and sexuality. Fantastic. Um, right. And so we often met with people who were maybe coming into the things for the first time and sort of going, well, I don't know if I can say this. And it was very illuminating because, you know, <laughs> being within queer circles for so long, there wasn't really a topic that was off, off the table, but yeah. I'd forgotten that so many people really would have. And the typical British tradition is very, no, no, we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Army parents, what can I say? Yes. 
But then, by the end of it, having those tools to discuss things, the conversations that we could have, once that barrier was broached, the conversation came so easy. And having that conversation then happen with my parents and discussing different things, you know, it was a lot easier. Um, so I think the, the the British reaction still is one of, oh, mock horror, you know, and oh, let's not talk about that. But once the barrier is broken, then the conversation starts to happen, which is really exciting, you know. People just want permission. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, yes, mm-hmm. we can't talk about it, but gee, what goes on behind closed doors is a whole other story, you yeah. know. Um, you have, how many, you know, um, inc- has there been you know, things of people in power and sex and it gets mm-hmm. all over the media and, oh, my goodness, that's terrible. Like the t- discussion of glory holes, I think, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit like you, Ryan, I worked, I worked for the AIDS Council. So, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about anal sex and glory holes and sex on premises venues and all of that. That was the everyday, you know, you walk past someone's computer and there were naked people on it. Sure. That was just my, that was my world. And sure. then I would go somewhere else and go, oh, people don't talk about this over flight, you know. <laughs> Oops. Fully, fully. Quite an interesting yes. position to be in though, isn't it? And how, how do you, um, do you find that because of the, the work that you do, that you often end up getting a lot of questions from people maybe going and maybe feeling like they have the permission to now sort of say things? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the first thing I get is, um, you're a sexologist. Is that a thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, so what do you do? Well, can I ask you something? There we go. The next <laughs> question. I must admit, though, um, when my partner says I'm a sexologist, they get lots of questions and have to go, right. oh, no, 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 it's not me. It's my partner who's a sexologist. Right, right. It's like just even that, you know, two degree, that one degree of separation, people go, mm. oh, well, then it's okay to talk to you, even though you're yeah. not the person. <laughs> so it is people just need permission. And um, when we're working in sex therapy, we use what we call the explicit model. Um, and it was originally designed by sexual health nurses. So the implicit model, the very first stage is permission. Mm. Then it's limited information, specific suggestions, and then intensive therapy. So you kind of go through this process. So the very first thing is you give the people permission to talk about it, but you ask their permission mm. to talk about it. Is it okay if we talk about this? Um, the explicit model was expanded because you ask permission through every stage. Mm. So it is the extended implicit model. So I'm giving permission and I'm receiving permission, but then I'm also asking for me, can it, would you like me to give you some information? Would you like some specific suggestions around that? It, would it be okay if I referred you through to a specialist? So that there's this constant seeking of permission and granting of permission. And that allows people to open up and talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a big difference. It does. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I can see that. I can see that. And it's, I I think um, I'm just reflecting back on conversations that I've had in my uh, aerial studio, specifically around um, exotic pole and things. I don't think I ask, is it okay for me to talk to you about this? I think I just kind of go, no, here's the thing. which does tend to freak people out. But, um, and, and at the time, a lot of times I go, but they'll usually creep back and go, so that thing, mm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, I think, well, that, that comes back down to consent. Yeah, absolutely. It does come back. So down. Um, yeah. if you look at the, the um, Betty Martin's will of consent, yeah. it's about you know, giving and receiving, taking and allowing, mm-hmm. and that um, we're giving permission and we're receiving permission. 
Mm. And that because you I you just never know what is going to freak someone else out or what is going to trigger something for them. So as an example, recently I went along to someone else's education session mm. and there was no mention around what people might be able to do if they were triggered by something. And then there was a discussion around sexual assault. And then the presenter started discussing their sexual assault recovery. Um, I had a colleague with me who works at our local sexual assault service and she was sort of like put a hand up and just went, you know, there was no, this is probably not in this open education session, the forum for this and how much trauma is inflicted on people who have experienced a sexual assault, yeah. hearing someone else talk about theirs. Yeah. So that that seeking permission or even putting in boundaries, I think boundaries, are that's another thing that we often don't have conversations about is boundaries. What are our personal boundaries around sex and around the things that we want to talk about or we don't want to talk about or we want to do or we don't want to do? And it's not about rules. A rule is when you tell me that I can and cannot do something. A boundary is something you're putting in place for yourself. Yeah. And that's something I have a lot of conversations with clients about, particularly when I'm working with clients who are looking at opening their relationships or entering into polyamorous relationships mm. around negotiation. Mm. Um, you know, negotiating within your relationship, negotiating sex, negotiating everything in our world when we're interacting with another person. And that's also skills that we don't, we don't necessarily have or know how to transfer, say, we might be able to negotiate a great deal in this, at the, you know, when we're buying a television, but we don't know necessarily how to negotiate with our intimate partner. Yeah, and that's something that, um, that I wanted to ask you a few minutes ago, it, it occurred to me about boundaries, because it's, it's one thing if you establish boundaries in a new relationship, then it's, it kind of builds and that's, that's great. Mm -hmm. But like any other part of our relationship with boundaries and this, I'm talking friendship or, you know, any kind of relationship. Um, if, if we suddenly develop or establish our boundaries or, or even revisit and, and redefine our, our boundaries, when we start putting those in place <laughs> who 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 didn't and weren't used to those boundaries they were used to imposing and and you know yeah they push back they so do that yeah. happens that happens even if it's just like i'm not available to you to talk to you on zoom every night because mm. you know to deal with your emotions sometimes i need my own personal space people mm. push back and go but you've always been there what's your deal mm -hmm. so yeah. when you're in a sexual relationship and you then decide actually I'm going to just revisit and, and redefine or for the first time to find some boundaries for mm. myself how do you mm. avoid that oh you I guess you can't really avoid it but how do you deal with that pushback of the person saying but I've always had anal sex with you or I've always been able to do this or I've, yeah. you've always been fine if you're half asleep or you know I don't know what yeah, yeah. How and you, how do you negotiate that that's difficult because you are right you we don't have control over the other person we only have control over how we respond to the other person and have you seen the little tea and consent video around no. how consent is like a cup of tea? No. Oh, you have to Google it and look at it. So consent is like a cup of tea. So you come over to my house. I say, would you like a cup of tea? Yes, I'll have a glass, a cup of Earl Grey. So you drink that cup of Earl Grey. The next time you come over, I just make you a cup of Earl Grey. Mm. You want English breakfast. 
or you actually don't want a cup of tea, you want a cup of coffee. So it uses the analogy of a cup of tea as very quite similar to, to sex. So you might ask for this thing on this time. Doesn't mean that you automatically want it next time. You might want something different. And you even if I boil the kettle, it doesn't mean that you, you might change your mind about wanting that cup of tea. And I think sometimes when people they they seem to get that it's a re it's really simple it's quite fun and it's around that understanding that things change you know isn't that old saying the only constant thing is change mm. and that as we learn more about ourselves and our relationship we may start to want different things mm. and we may realize that some of the things we were doing before weren't serving us well mm. or weren't serving our relationship well and that quite often it's about explaining why the boundary is there. Why is there this change? Why, are, why can't I do this thing anymore or expect you to be on Zoom every night? What's that about? And quite often when you explain why, it gives that person an opportunity to try and understand where you're coming from. Now, some people won't, you know, sure. they just won't. And they won't respect your boundaries. And then you need to make a decision about what does that if this person doesn't respect my boundaries, do they respect me as a friend? And, you know, maybe make a decision about what that relationship's about. Is this relationship actually good for you? And is the relationship serving you well? It gives people time to kind of get used to the new paradigm. Um, but it is a process of you understanding yourself and why you're making these changes and um, informing them so that they can start to understand as well whether they respect your boundaries or not is really up to them. We can't make someone respect them, but it, if they don't, it tells us a lot about that individual. Absolutely. And I love that you, you give them that, that choice, whether they choose to respect your boundaries or not. That's, that's really good. Yeah. Advice. It's very much about individual choice yeah. because I can't control anybody else. I can only control. Sometimes I feel like I can't control myself, but <laughs> what I can control is the way that I respond. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and um most of the time <laughs> <laughs> we are all human aren't we exactly exactly yeah so we're in lockdown now for uh almost 12 months 20 wow. days oh god yeah. oh no it is 12 months now isn't yeah, it March. yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. so um so we so so coming out of this time and let's assume yeah. that's possible and going to happen what 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 because hopefully we will have learned things and changed mm. you know we'll have grown we'll have we'll we'll have new perspectives and new wisdom and all this hindsight so sexually speaking what would you hope that we come out of this time with i think probably a new an appreciation of the encounters that we have with other people. Mm. So your situation is quite different to what it's been like here in Australia. In Australia, it is like we went out, we came out of lockdown in September right. and people have gone back to the old way of doing things. The only thing that's different is that we have an app that we scan in everywhere we go and we, you know, sanitize our hands every time we walk in a door. Mm. Physical distancing has kind of gone out the window a little bit, even though there's markers on the floor still. Um, you know, shook hands with someone yesterday, hugged someone else. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But, you know, uh, in situations such as the UK, you've been in lockdown a lot longer. I think for us, we weren't in it for very long. So it seems like this surreal three months that we had last year sometime. Yeah. I would think for those people who have been in it a lot longer, they have learned a lot more mm. about the value of human touch, mm. about connection mm. and the ways that we can connect with people and what does that look like. And for each person, it's going to be quite different. If someone's language of love is touch, they will have found this last year extremely difficult mm. because there's been no opportunity for touch. Whereas for someone who maybe it's acts of service or gift giving, it's the little things that someone did, that groceries that they had delivered, it's the little gift that someone sent. Or So I think depending on the individual, um, everyone will have a lot of lessons to learn. And I hope that... The one I think that's most important is the value of connection in all its different forms and how important other people are to our health and our well-being, but also the fun that could be had in engaging sexually different. You know, there's been an increase in phone sex, text sex, video sex, that there are many, many different ways that you can still be sexual and be safe and stay connected to other people that maybe it's given people that opportunity to think outside the box and to be a bit more adventurous and to explore other options and maybe not be in a rush anymore yeah 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 oh thank you so i have um a few little fun questions sure um Oh, Ryan's rubbing his hands over I there. Oh, look it. out. This is my favorite. <laughs> this, is, this, is our, this is where we live. So, um, so you've done some, some uh, burlesque and some cabaret. Um, so what, if you're going on a stage to perform a cabaret act, what one prop would you want with you? Oh, gee. You can have anything. Oh, gosh. You know, I'm tossing out between a feather bow and a fan. Ooh. Ah, always a good staple, though both of them. Oh yeah. Yes, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like I like the way that the eyes become the center with a fan, and how you can hide things and give intrigue. Yeah. So I think I'll go with a fan. Nice. Yeah. And it's great when you've got hot flushes. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I can do this. <laughs> yes, yes. And the hot lights, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and what would your stage name be? Oh, I have a stage name. Oh, good. It's, Do you from my belly dancing days. It's Mystique. Ah, I love that. Oh, uh, Mystique is always a powerful name. Yeah. It's very exotic and it gives mystery, doesn't it? Exactly. It, and it fits with the fan and the hiding parts. It does. Oh my God, beautifully. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And what, and, and what is your, it doesn't have to be the biggest, but what is your favourite lesson that you've learned in your life so far? To live your truth. Beautiful. And what can Authenticity is so important and so valuable and it speaks to others and it sends a message. And I just remember so many people saying, just seeing you being you, I learned so much. And we never know the influence we have on other people. 
just by being ourselves and living our truth. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. That's, that's yeah. so simple and so complex. Mm. It means it was, a, it was a hard lesson to learn, I can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, but um, thank you so much for spending the time today, you know, doing this with us and going through this with us um, and sharing your truth and showing up authentically and, and just being an amazing voice within your community and within a wider community as well. So thank you so much for being a part of this today. We, we really appreciate it. Um, and thank you for having me because, you know, it's that opportunity to speak to more people and to talk about pleasure exactly, and to get that message out there. Thank you. And I have one final question. One final yes. question. Where can people find you? Uh, people can find me at Sensual Potential. So my website is sensualpotential.com.au. Also Sensual Potential on Facebook, which is probably where I'm most active. I'm right. a little bit um, tech illiterate. Um, but I also do have a Twitter and Instagram, but I don't use those very often. So probably Facebook is where they'll see me mostly. Um, so like my page I, I friend everybody who asks on Rochelle Menzies as well and um, people can follow me there oh, thank you so much for joining us today really it has been such an absolute pleasure to be talking with you um, I hope we can do this again as well at some point because I think we should absolutely check back in uh, with I'd each love other. to oh, <laughs> absolutely love to yes <laughs> Oh, I would love that. I think um, a whole series of, uh, of discussion about uh, the revolution of pleasure and, and, you know, the possibilities of pleasure of post lockdown will be a really interesting uh, thing to discuss. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. It really has been such a such a pleasure uh, to have you on the, the podcast today. And uh, if everybody who's listening, please go and check out centralpotential.com.au. Uh, thank you so much, the amazing Rochelle. Uh, my name is Ryan. My name is Heather. And this is my the- name is Rochelle. Yeah. <laughs> or Mystique. Or Mystique. Or Mystique, yes. <laughs> and this has been the Confidence to Cabaret podcast. And we are reminding you that it is your body. Your body. Your, your world, world. Your stage. Your stage. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Goodbye. Mwah.